Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. How exactly do you wear your heart on the shelf? Well, that's a question I'm going to go over today with our guest, the Chief Marketing Officer of Funko, Molly Hartney. Now, I'm sure you've heard of Funko before. Their famous pops are collectibles from any of your favorite fandoms, Marvel and beyond. And on the show today, we talk about how that business has grown to be such an obsession and how Funko uses that fanaticism across their business to grow their brand from the ground up. We have some fantastic stories about her favorite collectibles, what defines her personality through these collectibles, and we also, of course, share some great stories about the fans and followers of Funko, as well as some of the newest ways that you can interact with the brand today. But as far as this industry goes, Funko is a shining example of the way that experience and community builds a brand. So in terms of authenticity from that perspective, I'm so excited for you to hear this interview. So I'm going to get out of the way. Without further ado, this is our conversation with Funko's Chief Marketing Officer, Molly Hartney. I've just been watching all of these clips from Comic-Con and just... I'm sure it was a crazy experience. What was what was your favorite part, uh, Molly? Uh, folks, we're coming into our conversation here with Molly Hartney from Funko. I uh, can't wait to have this conversation diving into a bunch of great topics, but you've just come out of Comic-Con. I want to know what your favorite part was. My favorite part of Comic-Con was being on the second level of our new double-decker booth and seeing the sea of people who just wanted to come and experience Funko either for the first time or because they are amongst our community of fans. And I heard that you are doing a couple of new things. Saw there was a press release. You got some new products, some new additions, some new community. Heard something called the Funkoverse. What's that all about? Yeah, so this year we had three booths at Comic-Con. We had our new double-decker booth for Funko. Uh, equipped with pop box that you could step inside, Incredible Hulk, Thanos, anyone you wanted to put yourself near for an Instagrammable moment, as well as purchase our con exclusives and shared exclusives. Across from us, we had a lounge fly booth, which was great presence for our home accessories company, um, and that will be coming out with apparel. And we also um, partnered with SDCC. We are the official licensed partner with them to produce uh, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive merch. So we had a third booth across the way. The Funkoverse is where everything in Funko can be mixed up together in a strategy board game. So we purchased a board game company tabletop games uh, to the Intense Gamer a little uh, back in February. And Funkoverse will be launching October in store and we'll be attending Gen Con for the first time, the first week in August. And the licenses we are dropping with are Harry Potter, Rick and Morty, of course, Batman and Robin and Golden Girls. And so the game is a strategy game, but it allows you to mix worlds. So Blanche can uh, throw out a cheesecake and or her superpower could be something of Hey Boys and the opponent has to stop in their tracks. So it'll be a really super fun game. It has our figures, uh, which will be a new form factor. So that will be super exciting to collect as well. Okay, so you've got new partnerships you got new games you got the opportunity to buy a betty white funko which i i hope right i'm assuming betty white golden girls yes 
Good. That's that's really all I care about. Uh, no yeah. kidding. But um, that's what a lot of our fans care about too. Yeah, well. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, and so uh, there's all this crazy stuff happening. You know, I've really just. I got to be honest, I heard about Funko in the last year or so. You've been with Funko for, for a little bit longer than that. And it's just become this this cultural landslide of, of, of obsession. So I want to talk about that in a second. But what, what drew you to Funko first? What drew me to Funko is the community of people. So, you know, in marketing, oftentimes people have to pay for their traffic. And what's the most interesting here at Funko is it's not a pay to play game. It's a PR game. It's about awareness and the community has been around for 20 plus years and they're the best brand ambassadors you could ever have. Plus who doesn't want to make fun product that, you know, kind of makes people happy in such a serious time in our lives. It's a fantastic reason to join anywhere, but this, I mean, this community, I mean, you're, you, you hit it right on the head. I was just, you know, something I, a bit of trivia. I have a, close friend of mine him and his wife I didn't know that I didn't know anybody who with with like a even a significant collection of Funko and then they pull up their app which is also something that new that you've done this year to show me just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pieces that you have I mean it's serious they show me a 90 second video it took 90 seconds for them to go around this room in their house and just shelves and shelves and bookcases full of these things so it has truly become magnetic for people who are passionate about this type of collectible. I mean, why do you think that, why do you think Funko became, became such an obsession? I believe Funko is an obsession due to the fact that we carry so many licenses and we say uh, in the office and outside the office, everyone is a fan of something. It's a low dollar price point. It's fun. It enacts scarcity. It also provides trading and it gives you something to talk about. So whether you're an outgoing person or even if you're an introvert, you can take one of these little pops and you can put it on your desk or in your car or in your office or even collect it and put it on a wall and it shows which particular fandom you have an affinity for. And it strikes up a conversation, which is typically what community is all about, communication and just having fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm thinking like as soon as I thought this, I said, okay, I'm thinking Pokemon cards, I'm thinking Beanie Babies, but this is like on a whole nother level because you are in so many different pop culture references and and shows and games and and all sorts of stuff. I mean, for me personally, and this is a little bit of insight to the the listeners at home, I'm a big like sports fan, particularly auto racing. That's kind of a little niche, but then again, you got a whole line of pops for those too. So it truly is for everyone. And I, I have to imagine, but I want to hear directly from you, the importance of this, as you call it, fanaticism as a driving force to, to, to build your brand from the ground up. I mean, it's, it's just it's beautiful to watch. But can you just describe the importance of, of why it's so important to build the brand organically in that way? Sure. So there is your hardest of your hardcore fans, which we like to call fanatics, and they've been around since the beginning of time. Um, So, you know, the 20 plus years that Funko has been thriving in the industry and they will like anything that Funko puts out because they believe in the CEO, they believe in the team that makes the items, they believe in the art. And so you have the fanatics. Then you have what we like to call Funko collectors. Funko collectors are avid collectors who typically enjoy a particular form factor 
or enjoy a particular license or enjoy a particular product category, whether that be gaming, movies, television, sports, anime, music, you name it, right? Then you have what we like to call the uh, Funko enthusiast who is just starting to learn about Funko through some sort of media, whether it be an article or social media or a certain campaign, so take women of power, and they're starting to understand who Funko is and what Funko is about, and they want to be a part of the party. Then you have your pop culture enthusiasts, and these are people that thrive and die by anything pop culture, so whether that's sports or you know the, the latest Netflix craze, they are just so ingrained in pop culture and what's going on that they have to be a part of it. And given that Funko is fast fashion of pop culture and the way in which we put things on the shelves and participate in um, every sort of, uh, I would say, license known to man, basically, those pop culture enthusiasts are starting to gravitate to Funko. And it's not even about what license is Funko going to do next. It's more about what is Funko going to do next? What are we going to drop that's going to surprise and delight people? So that's kind of your mix of fandoms. And all of them are mixed up together, communicating with each other on our social channels and different forums and different groups, um, especially at cons and even at our local headquarters here in Everett. And they're all trying to figure out what the other one is collecting and why, and then how they can be a part of it. Yeah, I got to imagine at a certain point, it's sort of a... Uh sort of a millennial slash Gen Z keeping up with the Joneses, except you're not talking about a a fresh green lawn across the street there or a nice house or a dog. You're talking about the next pop or the next collection. And that's a really interesting point you make about it being sort of almost agnostic to license. It's not exactly what new partnerships coming in. It's just going to be what's the next thing that Funko is going to do. So from that and then the segmentations of the uh, the level of fanaticism that you that you mentioned there, it seems that you're getting this sort of organic support from all levels. And I will say that I uh, I think at this point it's it's more of an enthusiast for me. But I gotta say I'm I'm catching the bug. And and be honest with me, I mean, how many of these do you own personally? I mean, do you have a do you have a room? Or maybe it's in your office where you can just like pan around and you got one of everything. So if I had one of everything, I wouldn't be able to fit in my office. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. So the ones that are, I would say, strategically placed in my office, I have a whole wall of women superheroes or women actors, females. uh, And that goes along with our uh, Woman of Power campaign. I do strongly believe in women in leadership and uh, basically devoting time to today's female youth to make sure that they are developed Uh, in, I would say, the workspace. And then on another wall, I have couples because I am nostalgic for Disney movies and or happy endings. And so I have an entire wall of couples either within Disney or couples um, that are in a particular movie moment. So I'm kind of considering office space where they, you know, they kind of crush the computer a couple. So I have both of those actors and then I have the computer in the middle. And then for my own personal collection at home, I collect with my son and my husband, and my husband is an avid Star Wars fan. So we have a lot of Star Wars, and then he is also nostalgic for things like Fast Time at Ridgemont High and music. So that is collecting in his office, and then my son has his own 
little mini collection that he gets excited about with dad. Yeah, I'm sure. And just listening to you say that and describing what you have around your office and the different interests, it, it leads me to believe, and, and I just want to verify, but I think it's obvious that not only then is the obsession with Funko surrounding maybe what's Funko going to do next and maybe at a lower level, well, what partnership do they have? But also, how does this reflect me as a person? I mean, what you've done there just by telling me what pops that you have uh, you know, within arm's reach tells me much more about you than maybe anything else could. And I imagine that the same is true for 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 enthusiasts and upward. Is that right? Yes, it definitely displays something in a different way that you can't, you know, people say that saying of uh, you wear your heart on your sleeve. Someone should just say, wear your Funko on your sleeve. Yeah, <laughs> right. Put your heart on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, put your heart on the shelf. That's a good one. Because it can truly show uh, wherever you are, something about yourself that somebody didn't know. And uh, interestingly enough, at San Diego Comic-Con, we tested something out this year where we did 50 different buttons that said, I'm a fan of. So if you are a Steve fan from Stranger Things, it said, I am a Steve fan. If you are a Russo Brothers fan, it said, I am a Russo Brother fan. And so there were 50 pins scattered throughout licensors, scattered throughout the Funko booth, scattered through panels. And if you were fortunate enough to get one of them, you were able to then collect what you are a fan of. And then people were displaying these pins on jean jackets or t-shirts or backpacks. So it was pretty cool to see as you walk through the con what people were a fan of. Yeah, for sure. I imagine that 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 is just another thing. I mean, it's it was it was a new a new release, a new type of of merch, uh, a new thing to show off, and uh, that I'm sure provided a new a new level of excitement. That and I and I'm guessing also a level of 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 exclusivity maybe or or just a level of um you know kind of what I'm thinking of is I was at fun fact earlier this month I was at T-Mobile I was at a Mariners game. And it was, I guess, maybe a week or a couple of days before the Edgar Martinez pop giveaway. And I recall there being a couple of different versions that you could get with one being all gold. Do you see that it becomes, uh, you know, what do you think of the sort of uh, premier, I guess, lines of Funkos compared uh, with the sort of, I don't want to say run of the mill, but just the traditional? Does that create even more like hype? I mean, have you heard some crazy stories about people who will do anything to get that all gold Griffey or something like that? Yes, I've definitely heard and seen my own fair share. So we typically categorize them as mainline for what's going to be produced for a certain tentpole and, and live on and be a collection. Evergreen, which is something like Harry Potter that you know can live year round because it's a movie that people still watch today. Then we have retailer exclusives. So these are retailer exclusives that are for a particular retailer, whether it be Target, Walmart, Hot Topic, or even Funko Shop itself. And then we have something called a chase, where one in X amount, because I'm not privy to actually tell that, because <laughs> um, it was party, uh, is it could be a glow, it could be a variant, it could be chrome, it could have a different uh, outfit on and these chases are highly sought after because there's only a certain amount of them and they're scattered throughout retailers and throughout um, our own headquarters here. So 
the reason why I believe fans love the scarcity items is because they are truly one in say 500 or one in 5,000 or what it may be. And if you think about the particular fandoms that are out there, there's millions of people that tune into Funko and understanding that you became one of those ones who got a chase, you know, it means something special. It's kind of like the sneakerhead mentality where if you're a fan of Nike and you're in the sneakers app, and you get invited into their special sneaker drop that week, you feel a part of that community. But you know what? If you don't get invited in and someone else gets it for you, you're excited that they at least got it because maybe there's a chance for you to get it on the aftermarket or a chance for you to share why you like that particular one. So it kind of it, it forms a community of understanding that there's value in them, but then also understanding that there's a, a, a sense of excitement when you become the one to actually get that. Right. I was just going to say that. I was thinking specifically of sneakers. Listeners, you all remember the the CMO of Foot Locker, Jed Berger, we had on just a few short weeks ago. We talked about the secondary community and uh, aftermarket of, uh, you know, and how that creates even like secondary and tertiary hype cycles over these things. And, and yeah, you're right. The the uh, sort of surprise and delight of that, um, of that sort of top of the line, very exclusive thing, I'm sure, uh, just drives drives reach and and buzz beyond what you could have ever imagined. And it's actually it's those stories I have my next question about because I'm sure then that you are, if not personally seeing the brand is driving and fostering millions of these stories of and experiences of of fans of of consumers of the lucky collector who just happens to find one of those chase pops. And I'm curious because I know that some of the ways in which Funko currently amplifies that includes the stories of the fanatics, uh, you know, things as simple as doing hashtags across social, some of the things you do in experiential and event marketing like at uh, Comic-Con. Um, I, you know, you guys also have the podcast and the Funcast. So I'm curious in uh, the, some of the ways in which you're amplifying the stories of, of your consumers, of your diehards, of the people who, as we on the show would describe as your most authentic sort of influencer. Sure. Our authentic influencer is definitely, we do things like fan of the week. We have giveaways that we do. We have a kid's corner that people actually old school right into. So we, um, I read through the letters every week that come in and then we pick a kid to highlight and promote. We definitely have our fun days event, which is an event for the fans and we give awards out actually. So I don't think many people know this, but at our fun days event, which is held every San Diego Comic-Con, we know who our most loyal fans are and what their particular fandom is. And we celebrate them kind of high school style with, you know, not most likely to succeed, but best collection in Star Wars or things of that nature. And we give them sought after, uh, Funko Pops that they have been dreaming of their whole lives. <laughs> and we also do a lot of experiential marketing through a lot of user-generated content. We have no shortage of user-generated content. This year alone, the Funko SDCC hashtag was higher than the SDCC hashtag across all of our um, social channels. We're doing an event next week for we love you 3000 which we're partnering with marvel and we do um fan events all around the country so we have a huge presence in latam we have a huge presence in uk 
And we generally try and foster those communities with doing certain things there. So you've seen all sorts of things then across all these diverse tactics and, and you're you're between what you have from your diehards. I'm sure the age ranges vary, but you mentioned something with, uh, you know, in working with kids and, and making sure that you attract these younger generations as well. Now I'm curious, do you, I mean, do you have any favorite stories that maybe you pull from that of, of, of collectors or consumers experiences? I'm sure you have to have a couple. Yeah. So when I first started here, I was quite confused at why there were all these people in a back alley, you know, being a woman, uh, I, I hate to say it, but there may have been a little bit of paranoia there of why people were behind our store. Yeah, sure. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you are. Got it. Yeah. And then I realized what was happening is there wasn't an outlet for them to actually trade if they went in and purchased items within our store. So we started fostering events for them to actually trade and talk about in our store. And then um, that was the catalyst for making sure we got the app off the ground so people understood what was in people's wish lists and collections so they could start to share and learn and how to trade and not in the back alley like it was something bad, but that it was something good and we wanted to highlight it. That's one of the most wholesome back alley stories I've ever heard. <laughs> it really truly is. It's actually quite hysterical. And to this day, I still think it's funny, but it was very wholesome and it was very innocent. And the other reason is that there was a Starbucks connected back there. So people were drinking coffee. So we started surprising and delighting people with Starbucks cards that went into the store. So Starbucks was thankful for the traffic that was going back and forth. Um, another good story. Uh, I typically go down to the store once a week and walk around and look for either a particular person who is just so excited to be there about a particular fandom or zero in on a kid. And I go up and I don't say who I am. I just say, you've been selected to um, pick out one thing in the store that you're a fan of. And you would be surprised at the reactions I get from people that look like they just want a ticket to Disneyland. And it's just that small gesture of kindness uh, that happens and I feel like that happens all the time with Funko and you hear stories about how at fun days there's a potluck and some of the collectors who have been around for 20 years, they actually still get together at Kim's house and at Kim's house, they bring, you know, pot pie and whatever else they like. And they just talk about their Funko collectibles and they just kind of catch up like, you know, they all went to college together. Right. It's a fantastic way to bring people together. And that surprise and delight mechanic, uh, yeah, is sure to bring uh, a light to anybody's day. And the fact that you have that sort of local engagement kind of makes me jealous for anybody who's living around the Everett area and is able to get uh, get over to the store there because it sounds like they got a premier experience. We do. Another good one would be we surprised a Make-A-Wish kid, Jayla, with coming to Funko headquarters here in Everett to have a shopping spree, to tour the design floor, to look at how she could create her own pop, to meet Brian, our CEO. And then we surprised her with all of her merchandise in our lounge area. And we also surprised her with her own exclusive pop of her. And we framed it and gave her the first original one, even made her chases so she could hand out her own Jayla Funko Pop to her friends and family. Now that's cool. That is a really fun 
individualized and, and sweet experience. Um, and just the fact that you're able to do this no matter no matter if you're reconnecting with old friends or going through a hard time, no matter who you are, it sounds like uh, you can have a fantastic experience um, with this. And um, it's it's you know I wanna I wanna transition a little bit because when we were talking about some of these stories, you mentioned you know finding new ways to connect people, and you know maybe that started out as a Starbucks, or we're gonna give out cards, we're gonna bring that back alley into the forefront. And I also know, and we mentioned it a little bit earlier, that uh, there is a relatively new, a few months ago, an app to be able to go through and put wish lists and sort of show what you have. And this is, by the way, how I first came into contact with one of the largest collections I'd ever seen of just like thousands of dollars worth of Funkos, uh, or Pops, rather. What are some of the newest ways in, in which fans can be, be can be interacting with Funko today? And I, I voiced a few of them, I think, through the episode here, but I want to know directly from you. The app is definitely one of our digital properties that our fans adore today because it was truly for the fans by the fans. We crowdsourced information of what our hardcore fans wanted the most, and it was a collection tracker, and we gave it to them. And our roadmap is based off of fan feedback, not based off of how can we target the customer in a better way. It's truly what does the customer want, and we ask the customer. We use downstairs um, through events that we do, our social channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We have an animation studio that we leverage to uh, create um, videos. And a lot of our fans talk to us about what videos they would like to see. Uh, we'll be opening a Hollywood store, hopefully here shortly in the back half of the year, coming soon to Hollywood. So we're excited to be a part of that community and neighborhood. So that will be our second retail store. Okay, so yeah, you're expanding both the footprint. Uh, of course, things you can be uh, doing digitally to to connect, and that's that's just great. I I got to go get myself some of these now because uh, you know I've been thinking about it for so long. And there's I went on the website obviously in, in before this interview, but I had before, and there's just so much that you as soon as you get on there, it's almost impossible to say no. So. Uh, I'm definitely going to go do that. I got I got two more questions for you. One of them is going to be about what some, about about Molly's favorites. All right, but the first one is going to be about advice because it's, this seems to roll so easily off the tongue for you, and and I'm sure that that is reflected uh, in in how much uh, the team is doing uh, for Funko. Obviously, how how the performance of Funko is. But for somebody who is maybe not at Funko or for a small brand that's trying to grow or for an established brand that's trying to innovate. These authentic experiences that you're talking about, it seems that you're able to just, you know, rattle them off one after the other. But maybe there's other folks out there who aren't necessarily sure how to even get started down that track. I'm wondering, based on your experience and the mindset that you've had uh, over these past uh, a few years, and particularly with your experience with Funko, how do people start getting a little more authentic in the way that they work with their consumers and fans and, and followers and the like? I really think it comes down to understanding the customer. Who is your customer and what do they want? And not just want necessarily and buy, but who are they in their typical environment? What do they do? Are they are they into sports? Are they, you know, do they listen to music? Or do they like going to Comic Cons? I mean, especially for, you know, our our fans, we want to know what they're interested in and what particular fandoms they're interested in. And I really think it is truly about identifying 
who is your loyal community of customers? And then who are those customers on the edge that you want to bring into the fold? And how can you bring them into the fold, not only with content, but being genuine to the brand and what your messaging is? And innately, they kind of just fall in line from there. It's not about the activations you do. It's not about, in my opinion, how much money you spend on trying to bring them into the funnel. It's truly about listening to them and listening around them for what they're chattering about in the space and what's important. And then using that to basically say, hey, do you want to be a part of the Funko family? So listen first, then invite, ask questions. That that makes a lot of sense. And, and knowing your customer is really important. Of course, we, we've heard that advice here on the show before. And so, folks, I'm going to leave that nugget with you. But I'm going to ask one more question because I know we've talked about so many different uh, lines, new partnerships, and even some of the pops that you can see around you right now. And maybe this is a favorite children kind of question because you can't just pick one. But if you had to pick one, what should somebody, what does somebody got to go out there and get their hands on in terms of maybe what's, what's your number one favorite pop that's come out? Who my number one favorite pop. Yeah. Let me think on that. So you get to pick your business card here at Funko. You get to put on your business card what you want. Our CEO picked Mugatu. He has one pop on his business card. He just wanted one and done. And I could not pick one. I almost wanted people to know, similar to my pop collection, what was the fastest way that people could get to know me. And when you hand out your business card, the fact that we get to put pops on it is truly incredible. So I actually put Princess Buttercup. I put Arete, who is Wonder Woman's mentor, and then Atomic Blonde on my business card. And you'd be surprised how many people look at it and go, how do these three connect? And I just kind of talk back to them and I say, well, it's my three different personalities. And then right out of the gate, they already know who I am. That's a really cool thing, too. I There's so many ways. This keeps blowing my mind how the different ways that, that it evokes personality and it starts conversation. And this is what has caused Funko to truly catch fire recently and uh, beyond. And so for all this insight here, uh, Molly, thank you so much for joining us on Authentic Influence. It's been awesome to hear what's happened so far, and I I can't wait to see what happens next. No problem. And if you want one to look up, if you truly need one, Headless Ned Stark is one that's a conversation starter. Thanks so much to Molly Hartney from Funko for joining us on Authentic Influence. It was great to chat with you, and it was so great to hear about all of those stories. I got to get me some of those now. If you enjoyed this show and you want to hear more, let me know about it. Send me an email at adam.conner at govavoom.com or leave a rating and review on iTunes and wherever you listen to Authentic Influence and stay subscribed. And also check us out, podcast.vavoom.co. That's where you're going to find all of our conversations and you can interact directly with me on what you'd like to hear more from on this show or you can suggest guests for me to go after them and I'll do my best to bring them to you. We'll be back again in a week or two with another fantastic story about how a leading marketer is injecting more authenticity into storytelling and strategy. And I say that because we might be doing episodes at a faster clip for you. Interest in the show has definitely uh, taken off. I've got some fantastic organizations coming up in the pipeline for you, and I can't wait to bring that to you faster than before. So I'll see you in one week or two. How's that? And in the meantime, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.